Section twenty eight of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. A Failure of Initiative Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Command and Control, Part 1. Command and control was impaired at all levels, delaying relief. Summary Command and control are key aspects of emergency management, and the federal government has taken several steps, most notably in developing an incident command system, to promote unity of command among local, state, and federal authorities. However, during and immediately after Hurricane Katrina made landfall, there were lapses in command and control within each level of government and between the three levels of government. Local government's command and control was often paralyzed by the complete destruction of their entire emergency management infrastructure. While state command and control facilities, such as the Emergency Operations Centers, EOCs, were generally intact after the storm, the magnitude of the storm and a variety of operational factors impaired their unity of command. The federal government also struggled to maintain unity of command across different agencies and within individual agencies, these problems exacerbated the challenges of coordinating across all levels of government and prevented overall unity of command. One of the factors that impaired command and control was the lack of communications and situational awareness. While the reasons for these deficiencies were detailed previously, see the communications chapter, their impact was to paralyze normal command and control mechanisms. Local governments in many locations in Louisiana and Mississippi lost all communications capabilities for some period. This prevented them from communicating their situation and needs to the state level. The state EOC in Louisiana experienced its own communications problems. State officials in the EOC could not reliably communicate with local officials, other state officials, or federal officials. Similarly, the federal government lost some communications, and initial efforts to bring in supplemental capabilities to improve command and control were unsuccessful. Other key factors that impaired command and control can be traced to a lack of sufficient qualified personnel, inadequate training, and limited funding. The lack of effective command and control and its impact on unity of command degraded the relief efforts. Delays and otherwise poor assistance efforts caused by a lack of command and control are documented in this and other chapters. They include Delayed and duplicative efforts to plan for and carry out post-landfall evacuations at the Superdome. Uncoordinated search and rescue efforts that resulted in residents being left for days without food and water. Separate military commands for the National Guard and Department of Defense, DOD, active duty troops. Confusion over deliveries of commodities because some officials diverted trucks and supplies without coordination with others. Lack of clarity as to who was assisting hospitals to evacuate. And the collapse of the New Orleans Police Department and its ability to maintain law and order. Finding. Command and control was impaired at all levels of government. Command and control are key aspects of emergency management. Command and control are key aspects of emergency management, and the federal government has taken several steps to promote unity of command among local, state, and federal authorities. For example, the National Incident Management System, NIMS, or NIMS, 
was developed in 2004 to enable all responders, regardless of jurisdictions or discipline, to effectively and efficiently work together. The NIMS provides a nationwide template enabling federal, state, local, and tribal governments and private sector and non-governmental organizations to work together effectively and efficiently to prevent, prepare for, respond to, and recover from domestic incidents regardless of cause, size, or complexity. In addition, NIMS incorporated the ICS, which has been in existence since the early 1970s. ICS is the standardizing scalable concept designed to provide for an integrated and organized structure while eliminating jurisdictional boundaries. The National Response Plan, NRP, calls for the implementation of NIMS and the ICS upon activation of the NRP to ensure maximum flexibility of operation during the situation at hand. Optimal levels of coordination occur when there is unity of command, unity of effort, and an accepted chain of command. Unity of effort encompasses the concept that all parties to a mission should be focused upon the same agreed-to objectives and should work together to achieve them. Unity of command is the concept that an individual has only one superior to whom he or she is directly responsible, creating a clear line of supervision and command and control. Chain of command furthers the concept of unity of command, creating a line of authority from the lowest-ranking individual to those in command, establishing a highly effective and efficient system. It requires that orders are given only to those directly below an individual in the chain of command, and orders are received from only those directly superior in the chain of command. Those at the appropriate level in the chain of command can then, as authorized, coordinate their activities with peers in their partner organizations. Many local governments lost command centers or otherwise could not establish unity of command. Achieving unity of command, with local, state, and federal authorities all acting together seamlessly to plan and conduct emergency operations, is often a challenge during a major disaster. It was particularly so when Hurricane Katrina made landfall. Local governments' command and control was often paralyzed by the complete destruction of their entire emergency management infrastructure. In Alabama, local counties had the least problems with command and control. Because Katrina turned to the west and hit Mississippi and Louisiana the hardest, Alabama counties were able to maintain their emergency management infrastructure. Both Baldwin and Mobile counties still had operating EOCs and generally were able to stay in contact with the state EOC. In Mississippi, there was a massive storm surge that destroyed government facilities, making it very difficult for the local communities to establish command and control. According to FEMA's Federal Coordinating Officer, FCO, for Mississippi, Bill Carwile, much of the emergency management and public safety infrastructure was destroyed in the coastal counties. Mayor of Waveland, Tommy Longo, said the city staged at various points around the city some of the resources it expected to need to respond to the storm's damage, and it also staged some of these resources about 10 miles north of the city as a backup in the event of a catastrophic event. Despite the city's preparations, the hurricane destroyed these resources. The storm decimated all of Waveland's public buildings, severely limiting its ability to provide command and control and to mount a response to the storm. Similarly, Hancock County lost its EOC, the location from which it expected to provide command and control for the county's response to the storm, because of severe flooding early on in the hurricane. 
Pearl River County also lost its EOC in the early hours of the storm, due to wind and water damage that knocked out its emergency backup generator and caused other damage, making the center inoperable. In Louisiana, there was a similar level of destruction to the basic emergency management infrastructure at the parish level. Many of the parish EOCs and public safety facilities were wiped out or flooded. While Jefferson Parish was hard hit, it was in better shape to respond because it had protected its EOC. Jefferson Parish Emergency Manager Dr. Walter Maestri explained the EOC was in a hardened facility, an old incinerator with cement walls, with the command center, living quarters, and emergency generator all on upper floors. While the EOC suffered immediate problems with communications being down, and it eventually had a shortage of fuel for its generator, it was able to keep operating at some level. Lack of command and control was particularly a problem in New Orleans. The authorities in the city lost their command and control facilities after the levee breaches and subsequent flooding. The city abandoned its EOC when City Hall was flooded and the emergency generator was flooded, cutting out power. As discussed in more detail in the law enforcement chapter, the New Orleans Police Department headquarters and district stations were flooded, crippling command and control for that department. Similarly, the Louisiana National Guard, with headquarters at Jackson Barracks in New Orleans, lost its command and control due to flooding and had to abandon its operations center and re-establish it in an elevated parking structure at the Superdome. According to Lieutenant General H. Stephen Blum, Chief of the National Guard Bureau, Jackson Barracks flooded at the most inopportune time, and he, Major General Landrino, the Louisiana Adjunct General, had to relocate in the middle of trying to gain situational awareness and coordinate the response. Thus, in New Orleans, for at least some period of time, emergency managers, the police, and the military lost command and control over their own personnel and lost unity of command with other local, state, and federal agencies that needed to be involved in the relief efforts. Even where there was still some infrastructure in place and communications were less of a problem, local command and control suffered from a lack of clarity. The most notable example of this was at the Superdome in New Orleans. Although there were both National Guard and New Orleans Police Department officials on site to physically establish a unified command and personally talk to each other face to face, there was no consensus on who was in charge. Louisiana National Guard officers who ran security operations at the Superdome, Colonel Mark Mountain and Lieutenant Colonel Jacques Tribodeau said the New Orleans Police Department had the lead for command and control. They stated that the National Guard was there in support of the police. These statements directly conflict with the New Orleans Police Department comments that the National Guard had the lead for command and control at the Superdome. Deputy Chief Lonnie Swain, the senior New Orleans Police Department officer at the Superdome, said the National Guard always had the lead for command and control at the Superdome, and the police were there in support of the military. In support of this position, New Orleans officials said the Superdome was a state facility, so a state agency, the National Guard, would naturally be in charge. One FEMA official, Deputy FCO Scott Wells, also said there was no clear unity of command at the Superdome. He said he arrived there on Wednesday, August 31st, and when he tried to contact the leadership at the location to coordinate FEMA activities, he found nobody in charge and no unified command. For example, 
He said there was no organization or structure to collect requests, prioritize them, and pass them on to the next appropriate echelon. He described the conditions as chaotic, and said there appeared to be no one planning the next steps. The Cloverleaf was another location in New Orleans where the command and control structure was unclear. Louisiana State Police officials, Ralph Mitchell and Joseph Booth, stated that one government agency, they did not know which one, set up a medical triage and treatment center at the Cloverleaf on Wednesday, August 31st. Crowds grew there as people came to the dry land on their own accord or were dropped off by the helicopters or boats that rescued them from the water. On Thursday, September 1, medical patients were evacuated, but the rest of the crowd grew to about 6,000 to 7,000 people. By Thursday afternoon and evening, the crowd started getting restless. At one time, there were 60 state police officers there, in addition to National Guard troops. The two officials, who had been on site, said they did not know who was in charge of command and control, or which agency had set up the medical triage center there in the first place. Later on Thursday night and Friday morning, some relief came from FEMA and the National Guard, and the Cloverleaf was completely cleared by Saturday, September 3. The Convention Center, discussed in more detail in the Evacuation Chapter, suffered from no official presence at all. There was not even an attempt to establish command and control there until the rescue mission arrived on Friday, September 2nd, four days after landfall. While there may have been some type of command structures set up at both the Superdome and the Cloverleaf, they did not appear to have been effective. The fact that the senior officials who were stationed at or visiting these locations disagreed on who was in charge, could not find out who was in charge, or did not know who was in charge, shows there was a significant lapse in command and control and demonstrates there was little unity of command at these locations in New Orleans. State government unity of command was impaired by the magnitude of Katrina and other operational factors. While state command and control facilities, such as their EOCs, were generally intact after landfall, the magnitude of the storm and a variety of operational factors impaired their unity of command. Again, Alabama encountered the fewest command and control problems because it was least affected by Katrina. According to Alabama Emergency Management Agency, EMA, Director Bruce Bowman, the state EOC was up and running with effective command and control throughout the hurricane and its aftermath. Unlike Louisiana, discussed below, where the parishes and EOC lost use of their emergency management software, Alabama used its software effectively. The software, known as EM2000, was used by county EOCs to send requests for assistance and by the state EOC to task appropriate state or federal agencies and to track the status. Select committee staff were able to review the EM2000 database and confirm the system was effectively used to track and close out many of the local requests. Many examples demonstrate the effectiveness of Alabama's EOC and the EM2000 system. On August 29 at 9.30 p.m., the Mobile Police Department requested vehicles for search and rescue operations. This task was marked complete in the EM2000 database in a little over one hour at 10.41 p.m. Earlier on August 29th, Bowman ordered 40 truckloads of ice and 40 truckloads of water from Lipsy Water. The task was marked complete by 2 p.m. the next day. At 6.41 p.m. on August 29, Baldwin County EMA requested, through EM2000, 
five generators for use at water wells. This task was marked complete at 9.16 a.m. the next morning. When some FEMA requests were made, however, they were not immediately addressed. On August 29, Mobile County EMA Director Walter Dickerson requested two FEMA operations personnel and two FEMA logistics personnel to augment his staff. This need was not addressed until September 21st. Similarly, on August 30, when Monroe County requested shelter supplies from FEMA, it had to wait for six days for the tasks to be closed. 150 cots were needed in addition to a self-contained shower and bath trailer. The select committee encountered severe disagreements about whether the state of Louisiana maintained effective unity of command. Some FEMA officials were very critical of Louisiana's command and control. Michael Brown, director of FEMA during Katrina, called the state of Louisiana dysfunctional and said it did not have unity of command. Brown cited this as one of the main reasons for delays in relief efforts in Louisiana and New Orleans. In addition, Wells said there was no unity of command in the EOC. Wells was particularly critical of the state for not practicing unity of command with the federal government's planning and coordination efforts. Wells said state officials were preoccupied with the evacuation and would not participate in critical pre-landfall hasty planning in other areas such as 1. Search and Rescue, 2. Rapid Assessment Teams, 3. Medical Evacuation, 4. Sheltering and Temporary Housing, 5. Commodity Distribution, and 6. Debris Removal. According to Wells, these hasty plans would have helped to guide the course of activities for the first couple of days after landfall, when situational awareness was weak and before more deliberate planning could take place. FEMA went ahead and developed the hasty plans, but without the benefit of state EOC personnel participating. He said such state personnel should have participated because they had expertise in state and local conditions and capabilities. The only exception to this was the commodity distribution hasty plan. Wells said that was the only plan the state worked with FEMA to develop before landfall. As another example, Wells cited the incident, covered in more detail in the military chapter, where the Louisiana Adjunct General requested DOD active duty forces directly without going through or even notifying FEMA. Instead of practicing unity of command, Wells said the state bypassed FEMA for federal assistance, then later complained FEMA did not know what was going on and that FEMA could not coordinate the federal effort. Other FEMA officials were not as harsh in their criticism of Louisiana. Bill Loki, the FEMA FCO in the state EOC, said there was at least a minimum level of command and control and unity of command to the extent the various parties were working together to set common priorities for common objectives. Loki attributed any lack of unity of command and control to a variety of operational factors, detailed below, and the catastrophic nature of the event. Similarly, another FEMA official who was in the EOC and in New Orleans, Deputy FCO Phil Parr, said some level of chaos occurs in any disaster, so it was not particularly unusual that the EOC seemed chaotic under the circumstances. As discussed in the next section, Loki and Parr both stated that not only was the state government overwhelmed by the magnitude of the disaster, but the federal government was overwhelmed as well. Louisiana state officials, including State Coordinating Officer, SCO, Jeff Smith, countered FEMA criticisms by saying the EOC was fully functional. Smith said it was always clear who was in charge at the EOC, the SCO. 
he also maintained the eoc and the state did maintain unity of command in respect to then fema director brown's comment that he arrived at the eoc and could not figure out who was in charge smith said that such comments were just plain bull smith stated and loki concurred that the sco and fco worked closely together through the crisis smith also provided the select committee with a photo taken during the crisis of loki and smith together in the eoc according to smith if fema director michael brown had wanted to find out who was in charge of the eoc all he had to do was find his fema fco because i was standing right next to him the select committee attempted to make an independent determination of the effectiveness of command and control in the eoc by listening to conference calls between the eoc and parishes based on a review of pre-landfall conference calls the eoc appeared to be organized and unified to the limited extent this could be determined through these calls for example the sco was clearly in charge of coordinating state and parish activities and managing all discussions and decisions in an orderly and logical fashion participation in the calls was very broad to include multiple state agencies more than a dozen key parishes federal agencies other states and the american red cross in addition every organization got its opportunity to talk and there was time for each organization to ask questions it appeared pre-landfall decisions and issues were fully vetted among the participants however these conference calls do not cover the period just after landfall the most critical and challenging time for establishing and maintaining command and control despite the disagreements over the degree of effective command and control in the state eoc federal and state officials both cited several operational factors that made unity of command difficult to maintain among the most significant factors were a lack of communications and situational awareness and a lack of sufficient qualified personnel inadequate training and limited funding these are described later in this chapter as separate findings the other operational factors impairing command and control in the state eoc described by a number of federal and state officials included the following katrina's late turn toward louisiana state officials indicated that katrina had taken a dramatic shift toward louisiana on friday august twenty sixth they said they were not fully aware of the situation until saturday and were therefore not as prepared as they otherwise would have been overwhelming number of requests the size of katrina and the destruction she wrought was immense including the flooding of new orleans and subsequent problems with security and the post landfall evacuation all of these circumstances led to an overwhelming number of requests for assistance overcrowding in the eoc the eoc building and main room were very crowded by the large contingent of state and federal officials the eoc main room has a capacity of about fifty people but there were about two hundred people the eoc building as a whole was also overcrowded with about seven hundred and fifty to one thousand people in it there were only twelve emergency support function esf rooms for fifteen esfs state officials cited the size of the current joint field office jfo in an old department store with a thousand staff as an indication of the amount of physical space and number of people needed to run an operation the size of katrina eoc information technology was overloaded the information technology system was overloaded by the number of additional computers logged in and the volume of information processed this was slowing down and stabilizing the system and officials had to add two servers in the middle of the response deviation from normal procedures due to the overwhelming number of requests and degraded communications 
officials had to deviate from normal procedures for requesting assistance. The federal government contributed to this problem by also deviating from normal procedures. Specifically, other federal agencies tasked FEMA directly rather than putting requests to the parishes in the first place so they could go through the normal process, e.g., from the parish to the state, and then to FEMA to be mission assigned to other federal agencies. Freelancing by other federal, state, and local agencies. State officials said, and a FEMA official confirmed, that federal agencies were freelancing or just showing up without coordinating with the appropriate authorities at FEMA or the state. They would bypass the command structure and just appear in the EOC. In addition, several freelancers showed up from other state and local agencies, again, without coordinating with the appropriate authorities. They, too, would just appear in the EOC, not knowing what to do. Visits by politicians and celebrities. Several elected officials from the state and national levels showed up in the EOC. While they just wanted to see what was going on and were trying to help, their presence distracted the EOC personnel. There were similar visits by celebrities such as Oprah Winfrey and Sean Penn. Most visits by elected officials and celebrities had large media crews covering them, further distracting the EOC personnel from their more urgent tasks. State officials who directed operations in the EOC, Colonel William Doran and Mr. Jim Ballou, noted that with all these operational factors, it would be easy for an outsider to conclude the EOC was a chaotic place. In response to criticism from FEMA's Michael Brown, these two state officials, as well as the SCO Smith, said some level of confusion was to be expected in the EOC under the circumstances. They said FEMA should have been more sympathetic and provided more assistance when it was clear Louisiana was overwhelmed by the size of Katrina's devastation. End of section 28